Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I'm contagious or not. I, I think there's a good chance I'm not, but I'm uh, just playing it safe here. Um, so this message is about anger. It asks the question, is it right for you to be angry? Which is a question that God asked. He asked Jonah that question, and... It was good for Jonah to think about, probably good for us to think about, too. I used to always, well, I don't know about always, but I used to think of myself as a fairly calm person. I uh, didn't think that I got angry often. Uh, but in recent years, and frankly, especially since I've become a parent, I've realized that I'm not as strong in this area as I used to think I was. And when I was considering what to preach this morning, um, a few weeks back, I decided on this subject. I thought it would be good for me, and I hope that uh, it's helpful for you as well. What we're going to cover this morning is, what is anger? How do we become angry? Is it sinful? How does it lead to sin? What should I do when I'm angry? And I recognize this is really a subject fit for a, a seminar, more than a sermon. But uh, we'll try to hit on some basics here. I'm going to start with a little case study from Jonah chapter 4, so you can turn there. Jonah chapter 3 ends with, God saw their works, that's the Ninevites, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade. So he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to the death, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, 
and much livestock. So in this passage, we see a hot, angry man. He's disappointed about Nineveh. He's disappointed about the vine. He doesn't care, really, that God is pleased with what happened to Nineveh. His anger is not rooted in zeal for God. It's rooted in a personal zeal for his own comfort and also the, his goals for Israel's enemies, which includes obliteration, not repentance or mercy. Jonah's anger was self-centered. It was unbalanced. It was without pity. And God's rhetorical question makes it pretty clear what God thought about Jonah's anger. It was not right. So what is anger? The Bible gives us a lot of examples of anger, but it doesn't give us any definition. It's one of those things where maybe you don't really need a definition. You kind of know it when you see it. Most of the sources I read about this subject simply refer to it as an emotion or a set of emotions. Uh, one writer went a little bit farther than that. I'm just going to say it's an emotion or a range of emotions that go from that initial feeling when you're hopping mad to the kind of smoldering resentment. Why do we become angry? Well, Basically, it boils down to we perceive that someone or something has done us wrong. We feel like we have not been treated right. Jonah felt that he or his people had been wronged when Nineveh wasn't destroyed. And then he felt personally wrong. It wasn't right for that worm, or for God to call that worm, to kill the plant. He deserved the shade the plant was giving him. It was not right. I can get angry when I'm trying to have, say, devotional time in the morning, and the cat is at the window yowling at me. The cat has no basis for being selfish and rude. It has plenty of food and raiment. It's wronging me. It is not there. Why? What, what is it trying to do? It, I never let the cat in, so why would it do this? It's wronging me. So we get angry at, at animals. It, it doesn't really make sense, but that doesn't make a difference. We still get angry at animals, and uh, we get angry when people make our ideas sound foolish. We feel like we weren't respected. That's not right. We can get angry when the Internet is slow. Our internet provider doesn't value its customers, and this is the whole reason why they just are signing up too many people, and it's slow, and I feel wrong. We can get angry at um, um, inanimate objects like a lawnmower or a weed eater. Gary Chapman, one of the books I, I read was by Gary Chapman, and he said there was this, there's a story he tells about a man who got... Um, well, he broke several toes in what the man referred to as a mowing accident. But actually, that's what he told his friend, but actually he had gotten so angry at the mower, he kicked it so hard he'd broken several toes. And then he went to Gary Chapman for counseling. So at least he recognized he had a problem. 
So that's why we get angry. We feel wronged. It doesn't always make sense, but we feel like we have not been rightly treated. Is it sinful to be angry? Uh, basically, not if we're talking about the initial emotion of anger. That's not sinful in itself. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. It is possible to be angry without sinning. God gets angry from our Jonah 4 passage. It says, you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Jesus got angry in the account of the man with the withered hand. They wouldn't answer whether it was right to do good on the Sabbath. As he looked around him in anger, he was angry with him. Uh, I believe being able to experience the emotion of anger is part of being made in God's image. And God made all things good. And when he gave us the ability to sense anger, I believe the original purpose was to motivate us to respond to, to push back against evil, to fight evil. Uh, the original purpose was to motivate us to respond to evil. It would have been good and right for Eve to have been angry with the things the serpent was suggesting about God. So, let me balance this a little bit. It is, it can be okay, it can be even right for a Christian to be angry, but I want to balance that by saying Christians are not meant to be characterized by anger. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Colossians 3.8, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And so for many unsaved people, Anger is almost a way of life. Their, their lives are characterized by anger. But that is not how it's supposed to be for Christians. We're not supposed to be angry people. Just, just as God is not characterized by anger. The Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God is anger. And people who become angry quickly are not God-like. Because God does not get angry quickly. John Coburn makes a good point in his book on anger when he says, If I'm angered where Jesus would not have been angered, something in my life needs changing. And I'm not sure if that applies necessarily to stub your toe kind of anger, but I think it applies to most kinds of anger. We should not be angry people in general. So, to summarize that question, the initial, is it wrong to, to be angry? The initial emotion of anger is not sinful. But what we can do about our, what we do about our anger um, and what we become angry about says a lot about ourselves and uh, what kind of growth we need. Our response to anger can definitely be sinful. So let's talk about that now. How does anger lead to sin. In James chapter 1, James says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
And far too often, our anger uh, leads us in actions that are destructive to the kingdom. You know, when God gets angry, the kingdom of darkness trembles. When we get angry, I don't know, I'm afraid it probably looks on with anticipation. How does anger lead to sin? Well, the first way, the most obvious one, is, is when we lose our temper. When you lose your temper, you're not being led by the Spirit and not motivated by love. You're motivated by the heat of the moment. And you're probably not going to do Spirit-inspired things. Proverbs 14.29, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive or quick-tempered exalts folly. And that folly is often sin. In Proverbs 16, it says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And, and we, we all want to be champions for the kingdom of God, but you will be a poor soldier if you can't control your anger. So when we lose our temper, that's the first way anger leads to sin. Uh, also, second way is when we strike back. Taking measures to even the score. This could be a, a, just an angry retort. It could be the silent treatment. It could be going after somebody's reputation. It could be just quietly hoping they fail. Uh, passive-aggressive responses. They're just as sinful as an explosion. No matter how provoked we are, anger never makes uh, striking back okay. God does not give us the right to do that. Uh, I was explaining to someone recently that it is not okay to hit your sister. And we were going through all sorts of different scenarios in which it is not okay to hit your sister. And he asked, even if she burns the house down, no, it's not okay to hit your sister in every scenario. For some reason in our house, uh, burning the house down has kind of become the ultimate thing that, that bad thing that could happen. I think I've told my children that I will love them even if they burn the house down. So that's probably why he said that. No matter how provoked we are, it's never okay to get back at that person. And we, we should just, um, yeah, most likely we're not going to explode at the person. We'll probably find some other. Unfortunately, it's, it's very easy to find indirect ways to get back at people. It's not good. It's not okay. Point number three. Uh, how does anger lead to sin? When we believe our anger is justified and it's not. Jonah's anger was not right. It was not justified. And he refused to accept that. He doubled down on it, in fact. It's sad. It's also a little bit funny. But I believe it's sinful and dangerous for us to recognize it when our anger is, uh, when we fail to recognize that our anger is just wrong. So in Genesis chapter 4, we have an example of this. God doesn't respect Cain's offering. In verse 5, it says, And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Cain's anger, just like Jonah's, was not valid. And God gave Cain the opportunity to recognize this. 
Why are you angry? And Cain would have saved himself a world of hurt if he had come to grips with the fact that his anger was not right, it was selfish, it was wrong. And in the same way, we need to ask ourselves this question and recognize it when it's not justified. Uh, the other way in which anger leads to sin is when we let it take up residence in our hearts. Gary Chapman says, anger was designed to be a visitor, not a resident. And I completely agree with that. Ephesians 4.26 says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So don't let anger become a long-term resident in your heart. It's not supposed to work that way. Not letting the sun go down suggests you deal with it pretty soon. Even anger that is, I want to say, even anger that is right to begin with can go bad and, and become a problem for us. It so quickly can turn into a self-righteous kind of anger or bitterness. Matthew 5.21 You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And that's, that's a risky place to be. Being angry with a brother is a risky place to, to stay in. And we need to get that anger resolved. An example of... Uh, in Psalm 37, which here is talking about a just anger. Listen to what it says here. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And here, this, this is the just anger, but... It needs to be uh, entrusted to God at some point. We need to find rest in the Lord. It sh the ang anger should cease and be replaced with uh, resting in the Lord. John Coburn's said, The most subtle aspect of the anger process is that the longer it is held on to, the more natural and reasonable and right it seems to be. But though it is seeming more right, it is becoming more deadly. Okay, so here's our last question. What should I do when I'm angry? And I'm going to give you, um, this is not complete, but I'll give you five or six steps that I think are important and probably should happen in this order, but they don't all have to. Not every situation calls for all six of these. You know what I'm saying? What should I do with that when I'm angry? So step number one is to probably admit that you're angry. I don't know why it is, but we hate to use the word angry about ourselves. We like to say we're frustrated and aggravated and irritated and annoyed and upset. And I don't know if that's because it makes us sound a little more level-headed and calm and mature. Uh, but the truth is, all of those, and by the way, I'm, I'm not planning on giving up those words. 
I think they can be used to express a mild anger. So I think there's a valid place for them. But they are all rooted in the same kind of core emotion of anger. Even if you're just a little bit angry, you are angry. And so when we're talking to ourselves about anger and thinking about it, we should probably just call it anger. Uh, Gary Chapman recommends that we say out loud to ourselves, I am angry about this. Now, what am I going to do? That's a really good question. Uh, it's a good response. For one thing, recognizing that you're angry, that you're angry, that means the, the threat, the chances of you doing something wrong in the near future have gone up a bit. So, you're angry, be careful. Uh, the second thing is, it puts the ball in your court. What am I going to do about this? Because no matter how provoked you are, and that doesn't mean the other person isn't guilty of provoking you, but no matter how provoked you are, your response is yours. You're responsible for it. So, number one, admit that you're angry, at least to yourself. Number two, step number two is to abort your first inclination. Your first inclination in the heat of the moment, is very unlikely to be a good one. So you might as well just take it off the table. Just plan on taking it off the table. Don't trust it. It won't be good. The writer Ambrose Bierce once said, Speak when you are angry, and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. This is where anger, I'm sorry, this is where habits can be your, your best friend or your worst enemy. If you get in the habit of letting that First inclination, that initial response, letting it, um, giving into it, it's, it's going to be hard to break that. You will become a, a hurler and a kicker and a yeller, and your children will probably pick up on it. So get in a habit of resisting that, not responding to, to that initial adrenaline rush. Okay, abort your first inclination. Number three. I want to call this, this one's really important to me, I want to call it apply a selfishness filter to your anger. Maybe there's a better way of putting it. Apply a selfishness filter. Recognize to what extent your anger or frustration is based on selfish reasons. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say uh, I'm at work in my basement. We're in the middle of a, some kind of video conference call, and there are people on the call that, um, you know, especially if they're important. This is when the, um, this is when, it, when I get more upset. So the people on the call that are important, and, and upstairs, my children get into some kind of noisy altercation, loud, noisy, and extended commotion, and. And I can't stay on mute the whole time, right? I'm going to have to talk eventually, and of course, they hear it. And then I get angry. Really, I can get quite angry about this. And then, uh, so then when the call is over with, my inclination, my first inclination, is to go upstairs and lay down the law and maybe deal out a few spankings and whatever. But I need to apply this filter. And, and think about this. Am I angry because my children have been unkind to each other? Right, that's the real wrong. They have been unkind to each other. 
Or am I angry because they embarrassed me? Or made my boss think that maybe my work environment at home isn't that good and I need to go back and work at Liberty? So that those are things, you know, you stop and think about them. You can filter out some of this stuff and, and say, this is not actually. It's not all just because, not all of my anger is, is based on a good and right reason. I can get angry at a child who is uh, distracting me from an important job. And it's true, I need to be focused. That's important, that matters. But I like studying for a sermon, and they want help, or they want me to watch them ride their bike or, or whatever, and I get frustrated. But who is actually being wronged? Who is actually being wronged in that case? As we apply this filter, a good question to ask ourselves is, would have this made Jesus angry? So based on the gospel records, it was not common for Jesus to display anger. They record him as being angry about three times, kind of depending how you count. They record Jesus as being angry uh, in the case of the man with the withered hand. Uh, the other time is when the disciples wouldn't let the children come to him. That made him angry. And the cleansing of the temple. It doesn't directly say he was angry, but I think we can infer that. In each of those cases, Jesus' anger was not about himself. It was not about how he was being treated or things that he wanted being taken away from him. Sometimes we get angry because we have expectations that we feel that uh, we deserve. So, for example, I've, I've been working all day and, and I feel like I deserve, you know, some alone time or a nap. In his book, Uprooting Anger, this is by Ronald D. Jones. This is a good book. And I didn't finish it. I got about halfway through. Uh, he describes a time when he was coming home from an unusually long day at work. I arrived home at 8 p.m. filled with my own wants. I must have supper ready for me and served to me by my wife. I must have kids who will leave me alone and let me relax. King Daddy has arrived all bow. Those expectations failed to be met, and he got angry. And everyone had a miserable evening, he said. The next evening, he, kind of the same thing was happening. He was coming home late again, hungry and tired. But this time while he was driving, God reminded him of this simple verse. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that verse kind of stunned him. And it made him think about what his expectations were for the evening. And he changed them. He changed his agenda from being served to serving. And he said he had an evening of peace and joy with his family. So we can have these expectations of things that we feel that we deserve. And, and then when they're not uh, met, we can get mad about it. But if... If ever anyone had a right to expect to be treated well, it was Jesus. But he came to serve. And I don't believe he was ever angry because he had to serve instead of being served. I mean, he deserved to be served, but he had to serve over and over. So we also should not be getting angry when people are putting demands on us that require us to give up our personal plans, which may have been perfectly fine and right, but we have to give them up many times 
and we shouldn't we shouldn't be angry at that. That would, that would kind of be like getting mad because someone expects you to act like Jesus. So we need to identify the selfishness in our anger. If we don't, we can easily do more wrong than the wrong that was done to us if it was a wrong in the first place. Uh, the kingdom of God may have some need for you to have an uninterrupted nap, but probably not, definitely, not nearly as much as it needs you to not yell at the people who have disrupted your nap. Okay? So that was the third step. Step number third, third step, apply a selfishness filter to your anger. Ask yourself, would Jesus have been angry? Step number four, decide if it appears that actual wrong has been done. Now that you filtered out the whole selfish part of it, time to ask that question. Were you actually wronged? Was someone else actually wrong? Is it likely that person uh, meant to disrespect you? Uh, did she really mean to hit him? Was it an accident? And so you're going to reach, think about it, was wrong actually done? You're going to reach some kind of conclusion, but it's not going to be a final verdict. Just kind of an initial indictment. Okay, step number five. Take action to resolve the anger. This is going to vary based on who you're upset with. Uh, for someone you don't have a relationship with or is not a believer, you're, you're probably just going to have to leave it with God. You bring the situation to God, you commit it into His hands. You might have to do this more than once. You're committing the situation to God, and you're going to stop reviewing it yourself. Maybe that's easier to do with someone that you're not in a relationship with or isn't a Christian. For a fellow believer... And if you're married, this is probably going to be your spouse. Just saying it like it is. Uh, for a fellow believer, the action is you probably need to decide if... I'm not going to go into how you make this, this judgment call, but you're going to have to make some kind of judgment call as to whether this is something you just... You're just going to let it go. It was minor. It's not that big of a deal. Or whether it, it is a big deal to you or it's going to be a hindrance in your relationship with that person. If, you're, if it looks like it's going to make your relationship with that person worse, then you should probably go to approach that person with, with, your, with what you're feeling. You want to wait until you're not in the heat of the moment and wait until you're certain your motives are restorative and not some form of hitting back. And also when you approach that person, uh, don't go with the final verdict in hand, but you're going to say something like this, I may have misunderstood you. I may have not read the situation correctly, but this is what it looked like. Okay, some of this stuff I'm, I'm just pulling out of Gary Chapman's book on anger, and it's not all original with me. If you're angry with your children, okay, we're talking about how do you respond to anger, you're angry with your children uh, because they have done wrong. You've decided they have done wrong. Action is needed. It's going to come in the form of discipline, some, of some form. Just, and you've heard many people say it, well, it's true. Don't discipline in anger. Don't do it. In, in Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, he talks about how discipline is intended to be a rescue mission. 
the rescue mission. You're bringing the child back into the circle of safety, which you're trying to. And he, he used to ask his children, how could I see you in peril and not seek to rescue you? But if, if anger is part of the, uh, is the motivating factor here or, or a big factor, you lose that. You lose, you're not coming from that angle anymore. You lose that. My experience is that children are very good at detecting anger, and they don't respond well. So take action to resolve the anger. Uh, deal with the wrong, approach the wrong person, or give it to God. Step number six. Watch out for an internal replay of the event. If you find yourself reviewing the hurt, an angry feeling stirring again, and you keep reviewing, if you haven't done step five, you, maybe you should go back and do that. If you have done step five or you're not able to, uh, you're just going to have to commit the situation to God. Watch out. Just be on an alert for internal replay where it's, it's not really... Then put to bed. Okay, so here's a concluding summary. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. And here are some of the things that I think will set us on the right path toward being responsible with our anger. Don't lose your temper. Don't let your anger turn into passive-aggressive behavior or any form of hitting back, for that matter. Don't let anger become a resident. It's supposed to be only a visitor, not a resident. Do learn to recognize when your anger is based on selfishness. Ask yourself, what if this made Jesus angry? Is it right for me to be angry? You know, the thing that uh, it wasn't right for Jonah to be angry, but he was right about what he said about God. He said, you are gracious and merciful. You are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. And that's kind of our goal, is to keep growing in this uh, form of godliness, becoming more like God, more like Jesus. God bless you.